this is Wicked Spursy. Mike, Steve, and Dave, except tonight we are without Mike. We uh, we won't get into his uh, personal personal health information, but he is under the weather. So we're just going to leave it at that. And uh, But I, Dave, I'm joined by my buddy, Steve. Steve, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I feel like I, I'm cycling through co-hosts, a new one every week. Yeah, I don't know if the problem is you or the rest of us. I'm not sure what that means. It's got to be me. That's probably it's, a reasonable it's assumption. The, it's the common denominator. <laughs> Hey, can I tell you that I was, I was touched um, in my absence last week that you, you guys, um, you highlighted that I have a bedtime story voice that that made me feel really, really good. But I think what I felt best about was when I when I listened all the way to the end of the pod, I realized you don't know how to turn off a zoom recording. So you need me you like you, you legitimately need me to be a part of this. It's nice. I couldn't figure it out. Then Mike couldn't figure it out. It's either you've got the magic skill or whoever designed Zoom meetings is terrible and should be fired. Could be both of those, actually. Who knows? Possibly. Who knows? What's been going on with you, though, man? How's your how's your week been? Oh, the week's been good, I guess. Um, took the little one to his first uh, birthday party for a friend. Oh, so yeah? So it was fun. Yeah, it was fun trying to uh, get him to understand that it wasn't for him. Did he get that? Was he able to make sense out of all that or? Yeah. After a little while, but there was a time where, you know, he saw the cake and was like, Oh, my cake, my presents. <laughs> it's like, no buddy, not this time. <laughs> but once he figured it out, you know, he was, he was cool. Um, I think my, my favorite moment though, was, uh, towards the beginning of the day. Um, you know, all the other kids are showing up. It was, uh, at a park, um uh, in georgia vermont and you know we're all sitting all the parents are sitting in under the uh you know gazebo thing or whatever yeah, yeah. and the kids are off on the playground play except isaac isaac was sticking with us um and you know for a while it's like uh all right buddy like you want to go play it's it's okay you can get out there you know no big deal uh he's like no i want i want to eat cheese and crackers in here it's like yes. all right you got your priorities. I respect yeah. that. He's 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 uh, got the the mindset of an old man already, and you can't necessarily hold that against him, right? No, he learned it from watching both of us to some degree. <laughs> <laughs> when he starts asking for wine, you know you got another another problem. Yeah, yeah, a little little far away, uh, far away from that, but uh, I don't know, man. It feels like with the way that he's growing, it'll be here before I know it. I I can assure you, it will. Absolutely. Well, I, I wanted to comment on, I'm sure I wouldn't be the only person in the world who would say this, but um, I was not with you last week for recording because I was uh, getting ready to travel for some work stuff and I was gone the rest of the week. I got to tell you, man, uh, the work stuff was fine. Traveling, airplanes, absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. I was, I was trying to get home on Friday morning and um, it was foggy, you know, which I do understand the dynamics of how fog can affect airplanes. I get that, but um, I had the first flight out and it still managed to get delayed for about six or seven hours before they finally canceled it. And I was, 
I was stuck. So I ended up renting a car and driving from DC back to Vermont, which is uh, a trip I've made far too many times, but not one I was looking forward to, to make it on, on Friday afternoon. So yeah, air travel, man. I'm thinking of taking the train next time, if, to be honest with you, you know? Yeah. I mean, why not? If it's an option, might as well. At it least you option. don't have to, you know, focus on anything. Just yeah, sit it, there and do your thing. It's an option I have not explored, but I think I'm going to dig into it a little bit more. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, Can you know, you? I I get that whenever I go to uh to New York, it's like you know I could drive. It'll be a six hour drive, you know, no big deal. The train would be ten hours, but I almost wonder if that four hour addition is just worth it to not have to deal with other people, traffic, you know, kid kicking and screaming in the back. Precisely, might be worth it. Might be worth it. Whichever one of us does it, something. Yeah, whichever one of us does it first, we can uh, we can let the other one know. Perfect, perfect. Hey, what'd you uh, what'd you think about the football, man? There was a little little football this weekend, and actually, we had a, we had a match last Wednesday too, right? There I... was there. Jeez, am I lost already? When when you guys recorded last, had we already finished out the Champions We've, League? Group? I think we finished the Champions League. That's and, right. We, we recorded on, on Tuesday, and that was the day that we finished that up. So yeah, one match. So feels you, weird uh, to talk about one, but, just but, one. Okay. Let's do it, though. Uh, what do you think about Liverpool? You know, it's funny. Uh, I Before the match even started, there was a meme going around that was, you know, like kickoff time uh, for Tottenham-Liverpool. Liverpool starts at, you know, X time and Tottenham yeah. starts at Y. And I think that kind of summed up the game. Um, it's not great that it's become such a meme that we can just predict that we're going to shit the bed in the first half and maybe put something together in the second. Um, but that's what happened. And frankly, that game could have gone so many different ways if our defense would just play reasonably. You know, like there to me, you make a mistake once and it costs a goal, fine. You know, I get it. We're all human. We make mistakes. When you make the same mistake, four, five, six games in a row. Something's got to change, guys. Like, you know, I a lot of people are are complaining about Conte's tactics and, and the way that he's put these guys together. But frankly, it, when you're a professional playing at the elite level, if you are incapable of stringing a pass together under pressure, what are you fucking doing, man? Like... Or deciding think, deciding what pass to make under pressure is the other the other side of that, right? Like the yeah, it's uh, like uh, this is the Premier League. It's the the top of the top. You know, we want to be one of the best teams in 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 England and and in Europe, really. But we've got players who are just incapable of doing some of the most basic things for an elite soccer player at that level. It just blows my mind. Yeah, I, there was the the first goal. I was so frustrated. I didn't see it when it happened, but when I watched the replay of it, like Sessegnon was stuck in concrete and like you're five, seven yards away from a wide open Mosala, you know, just, just outside the six yard box, or it felt like he was just outside the six yard box. Like to see like Sessegnon was doing what I could envision myself doing, right? Like in that position, like freezing and not being able to move, but it's like, dude, you've been trained to do this for a really long time and you get paid really well to do it. You're not allowed to be frozen and, and not move when there's somebody that threatening wide open that close to the goal, you know? You know, here's the thing about 
Sessignon in particular that I really want to emphasize because it pertains to this uh, population of people online who are calling for Jed Spence to start at right wing back. We wanted that for Sessignon for a long time. We wanted him to get those minutes to start to, Mm -hmm. you know, become part of the first team. Uh, And it took a while to get there. And look at what we've got, you know, to me, Sessegnon, before he made his debut and was that really hot, exciting prospect, to me, that's what Jed Spence is now. For sure. He's got raw talent. He's got potential. But I trust Conte in him not playing Spence right away um, for the reason that he doesn't have the experience, right? We've got experienced defenders like Eric Dyer who should know better and are still making boneheaded moves several games in a row um, that are costing us points. I don't want somebody who's inexperienced going in there regardless of their potential and adding to that. You know, it's one thing if we had enough stability where I felt, okay, if Spence starts and makes a mistake, Romero's there to cover him, Dyer's feeling confident and can cover him. Uh, But that's just not happening right now. We are defensively frail, um, which is something that I didn't think I would be saying at the start of the season when we were looking really solid. Yeah, yeah. But the fact of the matter is that's what it's become. And it's not a situation that I want to see these inexperienced players. Like when, when Sus came off, and Perisic, despite being 100 years old and has the mobility of a 100-year-old soccer player, um, you know, the experience that he offers, the ability to read the game, you know, he's poor in the, those one-on-one situations, but he does enough, right? He does enough to let Davies get back, to let Longley find a position, um, and that's that's kind of what you need. If you're not going to beat them for pace, if you're not going to beat them for skill, you should at least know a way to put them off just for another second, just long enough for somebody else to support you. Uh, wasn't seeing that with Sess. And honestly, I don't really see that with Emerson. Uh, most of the time, Doherty, you get, you know, those streaks. But again, an inexperienced Spence, I don't think he's capable of making that decision right now. Um, maybe he'll prove me wrong one day, but... You know, I I would rather we had that stability before we start calling for um, some of these youth players to step in and take over. So, uh, you know, fast forward to the second half. Obviously, we were we were both hoping for changes. I think we we saw the changes we expected when they eventually eventually happened. But it, it was without question a a completely different second half. How did you how did you legitimately feel walking away from from that game? What was your your overall tone? Um, I am much more optimistic when Decky is fit and ready to play. Um, you know, I've, I've literally every game we've had since he's been out, I think I've texted, I miss Decky. Uh, but that's why, right? Like 90 seconds into coming on, he gets an assist. Yeah. He, he offers something that nobody else really on the, the attacking side of the game gives. Um, uh, it's, it's this understanding not just where his teammates are going to be or what they're going to do, but the personal drive and determination to play without fear, Um, you know, to, to take people on, to take those chances, to trust in yourself and your ability. Um, He's got 
like Lucas puts his head down, he runs, he makes it through a couple people and then loses it immediately. Deki plays a little slower than Lucas, but more deliberately and with an understanding of what comes next. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key that we missed in his absence, that I know what I'm going to do after I get past this guy. Um, He's thinking a step ahead and he's improving still. You know, he's a young guy, constantly improving. Um, to his credit, though, Lucas, I mean, should have drawn a penalty. Um, I, I, the ref, you know, it, it, a lot of people want to blame the refing for us uh, not getting a point in that game. You know, we, oh, they should have had a penalty. It should have been this, should have been that. Um, I, to an extent, I agree, but the refing is consistently inconsistent for everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's not like an unfair advantage. Um, regardless of what the conspiracy theorists might think. Uh, So it's one of those things where if you put the game to bed yourself, you don't have to worry about whether or not the ref is going to favor you in a particular moment. That's right. Um, We don't, we don't give up two silly goals in the first half. The refing doesn't matter. Yeah. Game over. We win, you know, (laughs) but no, I I feel much better um, with Decky back. Um, I kind of feel like Steve, the, the Decky, um, really brings out the best in Matt Doherty, if I'm being honest. Like just the two of them, the way they can overlap with each other, he Decky's movement seems to allow f- for more movement from from Doherty. It it feels like Doherty gets stuck back a little bit more with when somebody else is is up top. What do you see there? You see it the same way? I agree. And I think part of it has to do with again the experience of Doherty. He understands i think what decky wants to be doing mm-hmm. um and to a certain degree will play to those strengths and his own weaknesses right he knows what he is not capable of uh he knows what decky is so if he needs to bring decky in to to complement what he's trying to do he'll do that whereas i feel emerson's more of a wild card um <laughs> yeah where often i'm not quite sure what he's trying to do but at the end of the day, it feels like it's overcomplicated and the moves lost. I think Doherty has the the calmness under pressure in those situations to, you know, offer Decky that extra option that I don't think Emerson can do. And maybe with Decky available, maybe Jed can give something. You know, maybe that's a situation where an experienced player in front of him might offer a little bit of breathing room for mistakes. Um, I'd still like the defensive side to be a little cleaner before we bring in a, a in an experienced guy like that. But uh, you're talking about an experienced player who's literally like a year older than than Spence, right? Maybe maybe two years all in. That's in in Emerson. No, uh, uh, I'm talking in about in in Spence Decky. and Decky, yeah. Yeah, well, Decky has the advantage of having played at the top level for a little while. I mean, for just a bit, yes. Yeah. Yes, Spence put in some great performances against Premier League uh, sides uh, with Nottingham, but, you know, he had to play the Premier League teams, what, two, three times that one season? Yeah. Uh, We're playing them 38 games, uh, plus Champions League, plus cup competitions. You know, three does not make a very strong set of experienced numbers to me. Very true. Um, you know, it, when you're talking data, that's a small sample size and not one that I would trust. Well put by the data guy. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. No, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with Decky coming back. The news that Richarlison's on his way. Um, 
could help as well, particularly with Sun's uh, fracture. Um, I that's one of those things I wouldn't want to rush him back because mm-hmm. you know it, he might not be concussed, he might not have some kind of like brain injury or anything as a result of that. But that shit hurts like hell. I mean, you get somebody and you have to think how many times are players, you know, trying to steady themselves with their arms. They're not deliberately trying to whack anybody in the face, but you catch a a hand to the face after, you know, fracturing your, your, uh, your orbital bone there. It's going to hurt and it's going to cause problems. It's going to make him timid. It's going to make him uh, more afraid to go into some of those one-on-one situations. And that, is detrimental to how we want to be playing and how we need to be playing to get the most out of Conte's system. So if we can get Richarlison back, if we can get Decky fit and ready to play, you know, full 90, great. Fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on um, your views on it, we only have two games until the World Cup starts. And then some of these guys, Decky can get rest. Mm-hmm. Um, Richarlison will be going to the World Cup, but uh, knock on wood, hopefully nothing bad happens to him there. At least we have Decky. Um, what a shitty situation this World Cup is. <laughs> and I just saw today that because of um, the Champions League draw and how Manchester City and Spurs yep. are like in opposite weeks, there's no time for them to make up that fixture. Yeah. So what happens there? Like, how do how do they resolve that? Do you have any idea? I have no idea. I'm sure it's going to be like, you know, somebody hoping and praying that one of the teams drops out of like FA Cup or something early on. And, right. And then grab a Wednesday or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, again, you have two top teams in the league who are likely to make deep cup runs. I mean, they fucked themselves with this. They really did. Boy, I can only imagine what Mike would have to say right now. You start talking about World Cup. We'd, he'd get on a full other uh, rant about Team USA, wouldn't he? Yeah, I imagine he would. You know, Christian Pulisic this, and Weston <laughs> yeah. McKinney that, and I'm Tyler Adams, and I approve this message, or whatever it is Mike sounds like. I, I love Bob Bradley. I think I've heard him say that before. Yeah, that would be... <laughs> I heard uh, Mike's got a poster of Bob Bradley in his bedroom, much to his wife's chagrin. <laughs> yeah, it, it it sits above the bed. Yeah, really, really. Yeah, but not like a normal soccer poster either. It's like one of those special, like Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. Oh yeah, yeah. Just to add to the creepy factor, I don't know yep. what's up with that guy. Yeah, the body edition, right? Is that the one? Yes. It was? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I'm so sorry, uh, Amy. Um, see mike that's what you get for not being with us and you're you're gonna come back and say hey i played nice when dave was gone and you guys talking smack while i'm i'm away sorry man not only that he's away but he's not feeling well either it's like we're kicking him while he's down but precisely uh, yep you know that's kind of what supporting the u.s in the world cup is going to be so we're just i mean honestly we're looking out for his best interests here we're trying to get him used to uh feeling like you're getting the dirt rubbed into your wound constantly because that's what it's going to be for a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, the, the sooner he understands that, the better. <laughs> Fair enough, man. I'm with you on that. I'm with you. Hey, you what do you I th- do miss about Mike though? What do you miss? What do you miss? I miss being able to say, Hey Mike, what you're drinking? I do too. So what do we do about that tonight? We, we honestly have not discussed this. Um, we should figure out, I mean, I, I see you've got a little something that you've been enjoying. Um, I do. I, I'm assuming the same for you. 
I, I've got a little something myself. Um, so why don't, why don't we do this? Why don't I kick things off and say, hey, Dave, what you drinking? Well, Steve, I, I, if you ever asked me that before, I would enjoy it when you asked me that. But I really enjoy you asking me that now. Um, I am drinking a cider from Stowe Cider, which is crafted in Vermont and claims to be totally balanced. Uh, this particular one is Tips Up. It is a semi-dry hard cider, 6.5% alcohol by volume. And it's pretty tasty. That, that's that's what I give you. No rating. Uh, it's pleasant enough. The thing I like about the ciders is um, I drink them more slowly than I do beer, which makes them last longer, which means I drink less of it, which you could argue is a problem. But, you know, it's also on a weeknight a good thing. But I, uh, yeah, this one's pretty good. I tend to I tend to lean much more strongly to those drier ciders than the ones that are are super sweet. Um, just a, Just a matter of taste. But I have a question. Now that you hey, mentioned what, it. what question do you have, Dave? Steve, I'm wondering, hey, Steve, what are you drinking? Oh, Dave, it's very rare that I have anybody ask me that. Yeah, right, right. You get left out and I want to give you a little little bit of sunshine here. So. Just tearing up a little bit, you know, it's always Mike, Mike, Mike. It's but, always uh, Mike. This, this is your moment to shine, Steve. And you know what? I picked this one deliberately because I knew um, Mike wasn't going to be here. Ooh, I he, hope this is one that he loves and has always wanted to review and you're you're completely jacking it from him right now. Oh, quite the opposite, Dave. In ah. fact, I would like to present to you this can Ooh. of Nansit lager, uh, straight out of Rhode Island. Um, <laughs> cheers, Brian from Rhode Island. Shout out to you. Cheers, uh, Brian. We can we, can I point out, Steve, that Narragansett was in the conversation when we were talking about the the next tier of domestics. You know, Mike wanted Mike wanted to do the big boys, right? Um, yeah. And we were we were also talking about the Yanglings and the the Narragansetts and the the Hams and the Schlitzes of the world. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm excited. What do you what do you think about that bad boy? Well, you see, the thing about this is Mike likes to refer to it as nasty Gansett, and um, I think Mike's on crack um, for a number of reasons. But this isn't that like we've we tried a few of those domestics, and there were mm. much worse ones in that batch that we had to deal with than this this is fine you know it's it's cheap beer it's it's good cheap beer that's all i can ask for you know it doesn't have the bells and whistles i don't have to talk about the caramel coloring or (laughs) the three finger head or whatever the hell it is um three finger biscuit head that's it that's the three finger biscuit head yes sir you know this is just a classic loaf of white bread just fucking it's it's there you drink it it's good what more do you need i don't understand these people putting in so much effort into their beer reviews is it good or not just tell me that it's a great question and uh steve i have uh i've pulled up the narragansett lager review from beer advocate would you like to hear what i i would like to hear So I'm going to read this because then I want to hear your rating um, after after we're done. So they give it a score of 77 out of 100, um, which is in the OK category. Uh, it is 5% alcohol. Um, one of the reviews says I bumped into a 12 pack in a liquor store. Hadn't had this since I was stationed in Newport, Rhode Island in 1967. What a memory. A clean, crisp American lager with a nice golden pour and good white head that disappears real fast um that person rated 3.5 out of 5 and then uh let's give you one more just for giggles huh uh 
3.6 out of 5. Poured a light golden color with a small white head. The smell is of hops and grains. Smells like a beer should. The taste is of hops and grains. And that's the what that's what beer should taste like from my younger days. So, Steve, I'm hearing ratings that would be at the level of what Mike would consider like a damn good beer. So I'm curious um, on the Steve scale, how, how does the old Gansett fit into that bad bad boy rating system? You see, here's the thing. I'm not going to get into any of these ridiculous decimal points. I think when you're playing at that level, you're just nitpicking on bullshit. Um, sorry, Mike. Are you saying that beer reviewers <laughs> take themselves a bit more seriously than they should? Is that your suggestion? Maybe, maybe. Okay. Um, I get it. I mean, to I me, it. this is this is a solid three out of five. You know, it's good. I'm not going to say it's the best beer I've ever had. I'm not going to say it's a great beer, but it's not bad. It's not terrible. You know, for the what like 10 bucks i spent on a 12 pack like that's that's a good roi (laughs) you know i get something that i can enjoy that you know i don't have to think about or or write a dissertation about uh to really enjoy i can just you know pay a couple bucks and take the edge off of a hard day at work all right so here's the question steve so let's imagine you're not you're thirsty but you're not like dying of thirst and you have a you have four drinks in front of you, all right? These four drinks are a glass of water, a glass of Kool-Aid, your, your choice of, of color or flavor, um, a the cola soda of your choice, you know, whether that's Coke, Diet Coke, Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, whatever, or a Narragansett lager. Which of those four would you choose just as your, your go-to thirst quencher? Well, I mean, if I was thirsty, I'd go with the water because it's water that's what it's there for you just um, just average thirst just just normal moderate you know but you know what you know what i'll, I'll do you a step better i'll i'll rate them right so uh, just All assuming right. average thirst you know i'd probably start with the water because you know you gotta be a little healthy you gotta take care of the body um and i'd probably go with the narragansett right after that if it's good enough for quint it's good enough for me um followed by a, a cola of my choice i can't can't deny the bubbles and Kool-Aid would probably be at the bottom of the list because all I can remember of it, like I haven't had Kool-Aid in forever, but all I can remember (laughs) is just, you know, like if you took a Gatorade and just filled it with even more sugar, like you just kept pouring sugar into that thing. And no, when I'm thirsty, the last thing I want is that amount of sugar. Like it's got more sugar than a fucking Coca-Cola and I would take the Coca-Cola over it for sure. So, Steve, what I'm hearing from your rating system is that um, Narragansett, it's better than Coke. Narragansett, I would say, is better than Coke. All right. There you have it. I mean, that that's a that's If a I could statement. get it at the movie theater, You'd I it. would do that over any of the, Well, that depends. Sometimes I'm craving, like, you know, a nice root beer or something, like a Barks. Um, sure. I, I can get on board with that. But, no. Yeah, I would take this over a Coke. All right. I think that says everything right there. Yeah. And I'm sure Mike's going to come back next week or, you know, send us a, a message on WhatsApp. You will. Uh, calling me an absolute heathen. Um, Pray yeah. for my soul. But you know what? Um, I I don't think I need to listen to somebody who's got a semi-nude picture of Bob Bradley hanging in his bedroom. <laughs> He's going to apologize to our listeners next week for the fact that we bastardized his his uh, beer review process but yeah 
the uh the body issue bob bradley just that that says it all that that's <laughs> you're gonna come on yo guys if you hated my beer reviews so much why didn't you say something <laughs> mike we don't hate your beer reviews we just don't understand the decibels and frankly they scare us no we're, ju- we're just jealous we're jealous that he gets to do it so you know this is just our our chance to- we're lashing out at him the way that you know kids uh lash out at each other on the playground that's all it is for sure absolutely little, little, little evan good natured you know steve there's one of my favorite parts of uh the podcast is always after we do mike's beer review um i often get to ask you another question which is what's going on in that head of yours you usually have some interesting thoughts that you'd like to share so i'm curious you got any got anything going through your mind oh god um Always, Dave, always. And they're always uh, the peak of information processing. Um, This go-round is something that I've convinced myself of in the last couple of minutes, just staring at the Premier League table, going into the final two. Well, I guess it's one Premier League fixture in a cup game Yep. before the World's Cup. But the way things stand, you've got the scum at the top you've got oil money uh oil money and then spurs and i can't help but think that with the world cup taking place in qatar um a very wealthy oil rich country that there's a there's a little something going on there i'm thinking that it wasn't an accident uh that they put it in the middle of winter uh and it's not a coincidence to me that the three teams at the top of the table would be benefiting uh, from a little extra money from that particular part of the world. Hmm. So I I, I have to think that this entire Premier League season was rigged to put Arsenal, Manchester City, and Newcastle in the top three positions going into the World Cup uh, as a way to promote Qatar and the World Cup. Um, there's been a lot of bad press about Qatar. I don't know if you've heard a bunch of this. Um, things from might have, you know, might have seen a little bit of it. Slave labor, killing people, um, you know, not being welcoming of others, uh, bribery, corruption. Um, they need, you know, a, a, they need a win. And for them, I would say that their win would be bringing to light that the region doesn't just offer corruption and murder and a bunch of shady shit like that. It also offers Premier League teams the opportunity to rank at the top of the table. So this Premier League season is nothing but an advertisement to the wealthy Middle Eastern businesses that they can buy whatever team they want and they will succeed. That's just how it works. Um, You know, Arsenal being up there, not necessarily owned by any of them as far as i know but but, but sponsored right yeah but that, sponsored yeah that's i was just trying to figure out like what's what's the arsenal connection but yeah it's the sponsorship. sponsorship that's what yeah. it is you know so that this is this is just an elaborate marketing scheme to allow other teams and and you know what i'll i'll add to that i was reading earlier today even uh that Fox Sports Group, I believe, is putting up a portion of their share of Liverpool for sale. Uh, Fenway, Fenway Sports Group, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that, that can't be a coincidence. Liverpool sitting in eighth, uh, perennial title contenders, uh, not doing so well going into the World Cup. But look, 
anybody who takes the you know oil money from the Middle East seems to be doing well. So why don't we uh, drop a little of that on Liverpool? See how after the World Cup uh, things start rising to the top for them. Can't be a coincidence. Surely not. No, they'll be benefiting from that. And other teams, particularly the ones who are trying their best to be competitive at the top, despite falling short. Um, you know, I'm sure a team like Aston Villa would, wouldn't say no to that in a couple of years. You know, if they see how successful it is for some of these other guys, it's it's all it's all advertising. That's what it is. This entire season is advertising, and it's a way for these billionaires in in middle eastern countries to buy epl teams uh so that they can gamble against each other and you know have these sort of like you know individual competitions as opposed to the you know working man's game that it's supposed to be very interesting steve you um you've made me think of a number of things but the thing that's top of my mind is actually the liverpool piece i was thinking about that today um first i want to say that i know that you and i both saw a video of of jurgen klopp talking about the the world cup um in qatar and and the dynamics around how like the press allowed it to happen it's actually really good quotes from him I, I liked what he had to say normally i think he's a whiny pain in the butt but um i liked what he had to say about that but you know i was thinking about liverpool and fenway selling it um you know really simply I find that very telling, right? Is if you're a business person who buys and sells assets, you know, what you try to do is you buy at a price where you can make money and raise the value. And then ultimately you want to sell at, at the peak of its price. Right. And so that kind of made me think like, huh, why is Liverpool sell or why is Fenway selling? Well, it's because they realize Liverpool is a, a quickly depreciating asset. You know, of course they beat Spurs yesterday. I get that. But on the whole- They're depreciating now, but when they get that influx of, uh, you know, a Qatari businessman decides to, you know, buy up some of those shares and they pop right back up to the top, you know, maybe maybe it's not such a bad thing. Maybe they do. Yeah, I guess it's going to be interesting to see either way how that plays out. But either way, uh, yeah, Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got? You got anything else on your mind? I do like how Conte, <laughs> I don't know if he started the pre, the post-game conference mm-hmm. um, this way, or it, it was definitely early on when he Asking made the about comment, like, Klopp. yeah, how does Klopp feel we did? did <laughs> does anybody know? Yeah, that was good. I like that. It's a little petty, a little passive aggressive, but you know, right on. I also, I also found his comments. Uh, did you, I didn't, I didn't see a recording of this, but. Alistair Gold was was talking about how um, his comments about the fans were kind of interesting. Basically, like basically what he was saying was, in a nutshell, like we heard you booing, and we need you to be patient. If you're not going to be patient, maybe we won't be patient either. You know, and it was just a really interesting twist of him kind of saying, like, "Hey, either be have our backs or don't, but don't, don't, don't boo us for every little thing." found that curious did you come across that at all did you see that anywhere i did see that and you know there's a part of me that agrees um you know anybody who thought getting conte and and what two transfer windows um was going to put us uh top of the table easy no problem was delusional you know that wasn't going to happen and i think his assessment uh you know looking at what arteta's done in his time with patience Mm-hmm. Um, paying off what Klopp's tenure looked like when he took over, um, you know, for for some of our 
listeners who maybe have shorter attention spans, you know, Klopp didn't join Liverpool and immediately win titles. It it took a little while. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't in contention for anything in Europe. They had an entire year where all they had to focus on was cup competitions, uh, you know, domestic cup competitions in the league. Um, but he had time. He was able to build and eventually put them in a position where they could eventually win Champions League in his tenure. Um, it's, you know, it's very rare I would say that an individual joins a club and immediately makes them successful. More often than not, that success comes, even if you look at Manchester City, you know, they didn't get an influx of oil money and then immediately turn into title contenders. It took them a a number of windows to move out dead weight and bring in fresh talent. And then you got a, a coach like Pep Guardiola to manage the whole thing. So I get the patience. I do. At the same time, I understand the fans' frustration when the most rudimentary bullshit is just going out of these players' heads. Like, the number of times that I find myself just screaming, just put your laces through the ball, kick that thing as far away as you possibly can, let people regroup and then figure it out, I mean... It's frustrating. It really is. And when we see a second half, like we saw against Liverpool, where we looked really good and threatening, it's hard to feel like we can't do that for 90 minutes. We should be able to do that for 90 minutes. You know, games don't start after halftime. They, they start at the start. Um, so I understand the fans' frustrations. I understand why Conte wants the patience. And honestly, if I have to put the blame on anybody, it's not Conte, it's not the fans, it's the players. The players are letting Conte down. The players are letting the fans down. And if I truly cared about the team and wanted to perform well to the best of my ability, I'd be taking a good long look at myself and thinking, you know, am I really doing everything that's expected of me or do I need to do better? Uh, and a lot of these guys, I think the need to do better is is paramount. Um, you know, there's very few individuals. I think we can safely exclude our midfield from this com- uh, conversation. Even Basuma looked much better against Liverpool. Improved um, for sure. Improved. Yeah. yeah. And and I've been criticizing him for, you know, a couple of weeks. And, you know, that's a player who, again, with patience, started performing and started doing what was asked of him. Um, the kicker for me is you've got guys like Dyer who make these boneheaded mistakes. Hugo too, um, making these stupid boneheaded mistakes and they've had plenty of time to work with Conte. They've had his entire tenure to figure out what he demands of them. And they still have these just brain fart moments. I just, mm-hmm. you know, so for me, Conte absolutely deserves our patience 100%. Um, I think his tactics will work. He certainly has the uh, the resume to support that. Uh, you know, he's not on his way out like uh, like a Mourinho was and still is uh, down at Roma. You know, he he has been winning very recently. You got to trust that the guy knows what he's doing until he gives you a reason not to. And so far, I don't have a reason from him not to. No. I have a reason from the players that they need to go in certain aspects, right? You talk about, well, why doesn't he play Jed Spence? We talked a lot about that earlier. You know, some of these other guys, it's like, you know, you just because one player isn't performing well 
doesn't guarantee that the person behind them is capable of surpassing them. Yes, it happens sometimes, but I would argue, given the depth and what we know of the players that are not playing game in, game out, they are the ones that are on the chopping block. They are the ones that if they got sold in January, I wouldn't be surprised uh, to bring somebody else in. You know, we have depth on paper, but in practice, I don't think like players like Lucas, I don't think he really wants to be here anymore. You know, I think he's looking at the end of his contract coming up and thinking, you know, what are they going to do to me? You know, mm, right. What I, are they gonna, yeah. I'm not going to the world cup, you know, my contract's done. I know that I'm not going to get, um, you know, extension or anything. So there's no motivation there. You know, I like what I see with Hill um, in his his training, his, you know, trying to hit the gym and bulk up a bit. Uh, maybe he offers something a little bit more, but again, a couple cameo appearances does not a player make. You have to trust that Conte is not stupid. Conte is a winner. He's not going to ignore a showers just because he doesn't like the way it looks. You know, if he has the opportunity to win the game, he's going to do it. If he's not picking these players, there's a reason for it. Mm. Maybe it's stubbornness, maybe, um, but I think he's earned the right to be stubborn. Um, yeah, that's what I've got to say about that. All right, so let's talk about trusting Conte and and the stubbornness. I am thinking in the Conte mind. Saturday, I think it's Saturday, might be Sunday, Leeds this coming weekend is an important, important match, right? Last match before Saturday, the uh, yeah. before the long break. Yep. We want to go into the break on a win. Um, but if I'm Conte, I don't care one lick about the FA Cup. I, I wonder, do you think Conte could uh could stomach or even set up for uh yeah, let's just Let's play some kids against against Nottingham. See what happens. Um, spare guys, possible injury going into the World Cup. Spare guys, possible injury going into Saturday. Lighten the the fixture congestions in the in the spring. Uh, I might suggest the same about the Carabao. Like duck out of both of those early and focus on the league and Champions League. And I, I think we have a much better chance to make noise in both. What do you think? I think that logically, we as fans would agree with that. I don't think Conte is going to do that. I think mm. we're going to see a relatively strong side on Wednesday against Nottingham. Let's say seven or eight knock-on starters playing the game and maybe, maybe uh, rotation players at the end. I don't think we're going, because people are saying, oh, well, this is, you know, Brian Hill's time to shine. This is when Spence is going to get his start. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think so. Free, Fraser Forster? Are we going to, are we going to see? I would, big, you know, big I would up? say, I would say Forster would probably get in there. Um, but I don't think that that's indicative of any mistrust in Hugo's performance. I think it's just, you know, it's a cup competition. Let's get the, you know, backups out there. Yeah. But I don't think, I really do not think Conte is going to play Spence. I don't think he's going to play Hill. I think if he, I honestly would not be shocked if Kane is out there leading the line. Um, I yeah. wouldn't be shocked if Decky's on the bench. I wouldn't be shocked if, um, well, I think Doherty is probably going to start if I had to guess. Um, I would say maybe one of the midfield three will be rotated out for skip. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably where it's going to go. Um, 
Perisic might get a rest being, you know, a hundred years old and having played the full 90, um, you know, but that's it, you know, with those three exceptions, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of change. And I think that's mostly down to two things. First, Conte's a winner. He's not going to throw a game uh, that he has every possibility to win. Fair. Fair. You know, it's a it, it might not be the the sexiest cup, but it is a trophy that he could bring in. So I don't think he's going to discount it completely. Second, have you seen Leeds play recently? They are defensively worse than us when it comes to boneheaded <laughs> mistakes and blunders. That game on Saturday has the potential to be one of the most heart attack inducing games Spurs can expect for a long time with both teams playing. We can't lose if we score more ball uh, at times. So I, I imagine Leeds is going to pressure us quite a bit. I imagine we're going to counter that quite a bit. Um, if our defense holds up, I would imagine it would be a high scoring game in Spurs favor. I don't have faith in our defense anymore. I wouldn't be surprised if it was another like three, four game, like we saw against Bournemouth, uh, last weekend in Leeds that wouldn't shock me. That said, it'll probably end up as like a one nil win to Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we'll be thinking, well, that was certainly a game we played um before the world cup starts and we forget about the first half of the season uh by the end of december so that's that's true we we definitely will forget about it for sure that's that's my expectation strong teams both games going out with a bang um i expect we win both games um but i don't think especially the leeds game i think that one is going to be a pain in the ass for us to watch mostly because uh, they will jump on loose passes. They will attack us. They will pressure our defense and we have not shown that we are capable of dealing with pressure defensively. Yeah. The good thing is they eventually always crumble and they eventually tire and fall apart. So they do. They, we can hope for that. They beat Liverpool. We couldn't. True. You know, so I would expect that's going to be a very difficult game despite the fact that on paper we should blow them out of the water i think it's either going to be a 4-3 type game or a one nothing game um but either way we're all going to be collectively shitting ourselves watching it (laughs) wonderful i hate that absolutely hate (laughs) that (laughs) honestly not a game i don't give a shit about you know if we if we win with a strong team great if we lose with a strong team um, part of me would be disappointed because that's another one of those on paper we win it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that losing in the EFL Cup is something that I really give a shit about. Yeah. As long as we win against Leeds, I think I'll be happy. Hey, how's that Narragansett still going down? Still smooth, crisp, and tasty? It sure is, Dave. This is right. a good beer. Nice. See? Hey, Steve, what you drinking? It comes back around a second time, so... It's a, it does kind of like what this would do if I drank them enough of them. True. <laughs> hey, you know, with just, with just the two of us, we, excuse me, we've flown through our, our content for the pod. So I guess we're creeping up on, on some closing thoughts as we uh, get ready to wrap things up here. What, what would you like to put out there for the world to, to think about? Um, well, I guess uh, the first and foremost thing that comes to my mind is this world cup in Qatar. I mean, Let's be honest, we're all going to watch it. 
we all know that it was a terrible decision to to grant them the World Cup. We all know that the organizations behind it, the people, are awful human beings. Um, but you know, it, it's it's not anything we're going to disregard on that on those grounds, right? The players are going to play. That's their job. You know, the, you got to support them to some degree. But I would say when you do inevitably watch the World Cup as it's coming out, and I'm sure I'll remind everybody, um, you know, this time next week when we record, make sure that you do so with the knowledge that people died to bring that tournament to that part of the world. People will die after the tournament has ended. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some human rights issues that will persist in that region. Um, And, you know, they wanted the spotlight. We need to give it to them in all the good and bad, right? Give give them your attention, support your, your country of choice, uh, enjoy it, but don't forget about the blood that was shed, the corruption, the, the negativity, all of that also has to be associated with it. And if they ever want to have a competition in that part of the world again, the rest of those countries in that area need to understand that the world, the global community, the global soccer community in particular, wants to hold them to a higher standard than they hold themselves on a normal basis. And I'm going to say the same thing before the 2026 World Cup in, in the U.S., right? We're not we're not void of corruption. You know, we've got some particularly shitty things going on in this country, but you know, we use soccer as a distraction. We use sports in general as a distraction, um, but it can also be a way to amplify some of the issues that the people of these countries are facing on a day-to-day basis and put that global pressure on the leaders in those areas to do better for their people. And that's what I think. I like what you're thinking, man. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Who's your Dave, team? I want to know. I want to know, what are you thinking? What am I thinking? I am thinking about Thanksgiving. Um, I'm thinking ahead to that because I'm planning to smoke a turkey this year, which is something I've done in the past, but it's fun. So uh, I'm a few weeks ahead. I am thinking about um, the weather because I find myself annoyed that it's been so damn hot the last like yeah, week. It just, it, it feels all out of sorts. It's not supposed to be warm. It's supposed to be cold right now. So I'm thinking about the weather. I'm thinking that I totally agree with what you said about probably Conte's approach, but man, I wish Conte would do what I think, like throw the game on Wednesday. Let, <laughs> let some children play. You know what I mean? Like just, yeah. just let Sar and, and Tanganga and like, like all those guys that just ride the bench or, or don't get to come out, let them play. Win on Saturday, going to the break, feeling strong and, and less guys injured. But you're right, Kane's going to play 90 minutes and and probably get kicked in the ankles three times when he when he does. Um, although he's looked better with that of late. Um, I'm thinking the World Cup thing is is a farce and also like the biggest spectacle in the world. You know, like just the yep. the uh, th- there's this uh, incongruity that goes with trying to make sense out of it. Um, and I, I find myself, I want to get into it. And there's a part of me that doesn't even want to watch it. You know, that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm torn a little bit as a, as an American based fan of the football. Um, I struggle with 
not really caring at all about Team USA. And I, I don't believe that that makes me any less American, but I just don't really care about Team USA. Uh, to me, they're just another team in that tournament with less of a chance to win than other teams. And, uh, you know, had I had I been to some of their games, had I followed some of their players more closely, maybe I'd feel differently. Um, you won't, trust me. <laughs> there you go. You asked this what is, I was thinking. Is, yeah, because this is one of those where I'm like, you know, if if this is what it takes to get Greg Berhalter kicked off of the team, then that's the outcome that I'm most looking forward to. We're not going to win the thing. I'd be shocked if we made it out of the group. But if Greg Berhalter loses his job because of it, (laughs) that's a win for me. (laughs) That I can celebrate as I cheer on Richarlison in Brazil, who will likely make it uh, deep in the competition. Yep, true. Um, I'm also thinking about, uh, I think it's cool that Gareth Bale contributed to LAFC winning the MLS championship. You know what I mean? Like, and I, and I find that that just goes way under the radar and he, he went to that team and has been pretty much underutilized, which kind of is, is par for the course for him. But that dude scores in opportune moments, man. And uh, 128th minute. Yeah. Come like on. That, that is pretty damn cool, man. I, I, you know, you, you gotta like Gareth Bale. You gotta like him. So uh, back to the world cup. Who's your team? Is Brazil your team just for uh, for obvious reasons? Or what, what are you thinking there? I would say that it is very likely one of Brazil or Argentina will make the final. I will say that um, reigning champion of France is probably getting dumped out relatively early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure that'll cause a whole shitstorm with, uh, you know, a player like Mbappe throwing a hissy fit about it. Um, but they've got too many injuries um it'll make mike happy. Mike, mike hates france it's true it's true um yeah i think we're gonna see uh at least one of those south american teams in the final um and i think their competition is probably going to be one of these european powerhouses not england i don't think it's going to be england um but I, I don't know it's a toss-up for who gets that last spot but i think i think which if I were a betting man, I would say if Brazil or Argentina makes the final, whichever one of them makes it is going to win it. That's my guess. I think it's going to be a South American victory. All right. Bold call. I'm going to go counter to you. I'm going to uh, go European powerhouse, going to go with Germany. So now we can now we see what happens, right? We'll see. We'll see what plays. That'll yeah, I can't exciting. wait till it's like a complete shit show. Both get kicked out in the group stage and we're sitting here like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, but you know what's cool, Steve, is I still won't care. Like, that's that's the beautiful <laughs> thing about it. Uh, that's what I that's what I like. All right, man. That's I fantastic. Think, I think we've hit the end. This has been fun. It's uh, It's been enjoyable to chat with you. To our fans, we appreciate and uh, are thankful for you. Steve, you always have something bright to say as we're wrapping up. What would that be? Don't be an asshole. And... and- if Mike were here, if Mike was here. What would he say? Hoist, 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 hoist. And be, be safe, safe, everyone. <laughs> All right, later. This is how this is how you stop a recording. By the way. <laughs>